Pai, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Enlightened Conversations. Each week, we invite guests to share their views on the world, work, and their personal lives in an enlightened way. Our hosts have been chosen especially to role model just how we do an enlightened conversation. This episode is produced by Michelle Lightworker and sponsored by the Lightworker Foundation. Hello, everyone. My name is Raul, your angelic messenger. Today, in Enlightened Conversations, I have a very special guest. Her name is Tracy Chikara, and Tracy experienced yoga when she was at the age of 16 uh, in the 1980s. This experience was so profound to Tracy that she was blessed to actually meet her teacher, Tita, who over the last 28 years has become an important mentor in her life. Tracy has trained with so many different teachers and masters, and for the last 20 years have been formally facilitating a holding space for people to be able to learn, appreciate, and use yoga to truly um, for the best advantage in your lives. Tracy's intro is huge because she has done so much. However, allow me to say, Tracy, that I'm thrilled to have you in an enlightened conversation today. And I am certain that we're going to be touching on so many different topics. So, Tracy, welcome. Thank you, Raul. It's a pleasure and um, a delight to be here and to connect with you today. Um, one common thread, Tracy, that all of my guests in these five episodes that I'm actually shooting have is the common thread of love, that idea that we offer in whatever field you work, and in particular you in yoga, that essence of perhaps unconditional love and unconditional love with no judgment. So how is that intertwined with yoga for you? For me personally, um, it's, judgment is, is something we, we judge everything just by simply our perception of what we see. And so we're constantly making judgments and about others, but we're also constantly judging ourselves as well and we're comparing ourselves. We do a lot of this sometimes unconsciously without even realising it. Um, and one of the, the big things that I try to include in my class is or when, I, when I'm working with anyone, is to recognise the dialogue that's occurring when you're practising. Because sometimes you'll go to touch your toes and you'll look across the room and the next person can touch them really easy and all of a sudden you're judging yourself, you're comparing. And, and of course, what do we do then? We start to feel inadequate if we can't. And so um, for me personally, and this hasn't always been the case because at the start, I didn't really understand it from that perspective. This is something that's evolved in my consciousness through my awareness and through my own issues of judging myself to recognise and support people to be able to listen to their dialogue and just hear how critical and judging they are of themselves and to really catch themselves doing it and to move into that observation phase where they can see that aspect playing out and to recognise it, but then to just relinquish it, just to let it go um, so that they can just be in their body without the, the, the dialogue that's always going on. Yeah. 
I guess that when we put a focus in doing something physical and we just concentrate on that, everything, everything else truly falls by the wayside and you start paying attention to how your body is actually reacting. Um, that's right. It's, that's exactly right. How, how did yoga change you? Because you were young. And I remember in my 20s, I was partying. I wasn't doing yoga. Um, there was definitely uh, some internal conflict at times because it was a part of me that really connected to um, routine and, um, and discipline. But then there was the other side of me that was, um, you know, not ready to make that formal commitment. So I started studying when I was 21, but I, I got about a third of the way through the course and I just went, I'm actually not emotionally mature enough to do this. And so I, I actually stopped studying. I kept practicing, but I stopped studying and I went back and, um, and finished formal training when I was about 27 and 28. May I ask you, Tracy, what was the catalyst that brought you back into formally continue your studies? Because I what think... What was the main point? Yeah, I think um, well, 28 is just sort of a big time in your life when you're sort of, you, you're viewing the world from 28 years on earth and, and I went, if I don't do it now, you know, this is my purpose. I think I've been denying my purpose. I was scared of my purpose. Um, and, you know, yoga's on every street corner now, but it wasn't back then. And certainly when I started it, um, you know, I'd have friends going, what is she doing? And I'd bring friends along and they just didn't get it. They just didn't get why I did what I was doing. Um, but there was just, it's a calling, I think. And I would have to say that I'm not some super athletic inflexible person but really yoga is a psychology and it takes you into your mind the pathway is through the body um and yeah for me there was just that was my journey there was internal conflict about what i was meant to do um and i had to come to terms and accept that role and it's a process as we all know when we we have these journeys it's a process of uncovering aspects of yourself Tracy, for people that are watching us, and I know that you just mentioned that, and it, it really is an important point to probably um, elaborate a little bit more. People tend to associate yoga with somebody really slim and slender that is extremely flexible, that it can do whatever is required to be able to do. Is that the case? It's, it's actually a real sadness that I feel when when um, I see this um, because like I said it's a psychology and if we just assume that someone has to be you know slim and with long legs and we have these visions in our mind of what we perceive as you know the perfect yoga person and for a long time maybe that's what stopped me from even stepping into that arena because I wasn't that I didn't fit that however it's getting past that and we're going to the beingness of, of what we are. So really the whole goal of yoga is to take us into a meditative place. It's a journey through the body to get to meditation, to become to stillness. And some people can drop into stillness very easy and some people can't. So the process of the 
stretching and the deep breathing takes us into that stillness so that we can experience the meditative state. Of course, in a healthy vehicle, in a healthy body, we only get one body. So the whole, um, you know, the ancient processes of these postures are, are very powerful in supporting um, joint health and, and energy, really energy, to flow through the body into the meridians, into the nalis, um, and to allow the kundalini energy um, to awaken and to awaken us, to bring us um, into a, a, a through layers of, of uncovering aspects of ourselves. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate that Western Western society tends to sometimes do that. We grab hold of one aspect of something and we're very visual and we're very much focused on our physical body that unfortunately we're missing some really integral and important aspects. But for regardless for what people started up, there will still be a process that will take them into self-discovery, even if they just started it up to get a, a slimmer physique or to get that perfect body. It will, if you have the right teachers, they'll take you into a space where you start to uncover aspects of yourself. So don't be ever be um, perturbed. Look for a teacher that um, you know you can see. Most teachers do look healthy because they are practicing and looking after themselves but you know if you look for someone who's teaching the other aspects of yoga and there's eight limbs to yoga asana or postures are one eight so it's really just a small part but yet it's main, the main part that's being taught as an exercise program so I guess that we can all practice yoga then Yes, absolutely. We can do it sitting in a chair. In fact, I've done lots of yoga with hospitals, um, mm -hmm. people in wheelchairs. Um, you know, there's, um, and in fact, I did run a seated yoga class for a very long time for people that couldn't get up and down off the floor. Maybe they'd had a, a really sore knee or um, a chronic health issue or vertigo where standing up and, and going down is nearly impossible for them. Yet, you know, these techniques, can be explored in many, many different ways and not to limit that exploration um, because at the end of the day, they will support your healing. They'll support you to reconnect to your body. Often our illness or whatever we're experiencing is a form of disconnection and, you know, practicing some form of yoga and meditation is allowing us to reconnect, to reconnect with ourselves in, a, in an accepting, loving way unconditional way as you said before and um, in a kind way and I do practice a lot of that and really encourage that and it's it's um, the way my teacher taught me as well um, she would always say feel the stretch so you don't have to touch your toes as long as you feel what you're doing it doesn't matter how far you, you, you are in that stretch it's really yeah, to me, that's that's a little bit of like a polarity or a, um, a polarity of yoga in that um, the ego says I've got to touch my toes, and we and you're getting pushed to touch your toes. But then there's the other part of me that says no, no, no. But you need to also stop and listen to how far is a comfortable threshold for you. The toes aren't the destination. 
in the real terms of things. Yeah. Connect with the feeling. So you see, you're talking about a physical aspect of yoga, of feeling, feeling that stretch, feeling that movement that you're actually carrying out, regardless of the, the final outcome. But I get as well that it's, it's for many people, I will say, it's, it's an emotion, emotional journey. This actually um, unravels or untangles uh, a host of emotions with people. Is that correct? That correct Absolutely. Assumption? Absolutely. It does. Our, our bodies hold uh, cellular memory of, um, of feelings and emotions. And, and as you're stretching, you're unraveling, increasing the oxygen in your body, you're unraveling that tension. And I have had people just, you know, spontaneously burst into tears or feel very emotional or, or teary or feel angry or, um, and I talk about this quite a lot in class and say, don't be surprised if you expect or experience this because it's your cellular memory releasing something on a, a very deep level and just to let it go and, not be um, too attached or worried about that. That's, you know, it's all part of um, connecting, really. And, um, and like you said, unravelling. Um, we're unravelling that internal tension that we carry around with us. We don't even know that's there sometimes. We carry around this tension in our physical body that we're quite oblivious to until we release it. And then you, re re you, uh, you recognise that it's there in the first place. Yeah. Basically, the, the practicing of yoga, not so much the teaching for you. How, how have you translated that into your family life? Um, it's so funny because I've had people say to me in class, you know, I couldn't imagine you yelling at your children or I couldn't imagine you doing this. And I'm like, so what do you think, you know, just because I've practiced yoga for a long time that I'm some sort of enlightened being, it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. Take me off the pedestal straight away. You know, what, what it does do, though, is help me to be mindful. So when I'm projecting anything at my children or at my husband, I have learned to recognise that projection and own it. And then I will come back to them and say to them, actually, that wasn't about what you just did. That was about me feeling this about this. So it, it's it's taught me um, it's taught me so much. I mean, and I think there's many different pathways to get to the same place, and we all find our own little pathway. For me, gentle yoga has been a pathway, and um, and I must admit it's helped me. Uh, with my family life dramatically because I, I have two children and I talk to them regularly about um, meditation. I don't drum yoga down their throat, but, you know, talk to them about being still and, and breathing and just being still in nature. And especially these days with Facebook and Instagram and all these um, technology that they really disconnect and, you know, I can see that. And it concerns me and I'm very aware of it myself. So, you know, regularly the kids will come down to my space and I'll be meditating and they just know that's what mum does, you know, I meditate regularly. Or I might be just sitting, walking outside with bare feet on the grass and just be sitting next to a tree for a period of time doing some deep breathing. Um, for me, I feel really blessed because it allows me to bring this 
um, to my home life and hopefully support my loved ones. Yeah, as I'm supporting myself because fundamentally we're only responsible um, and and can only change ourselves. So it's it's those um, just using some of those techniques at home mm-hmm. and being able to let them see what I do. I know that you mentioned just uh, at the beginning of this of this little part that you were saying to people, don't see me as an enlightened being. And you know what? You are. Um, but you are an enlightened being, understanding what life is all about, understanding that, yes, don't put me on a pedestal, but also realizing that you've got certain, certain knowledge, certain skills that you can actually pass on to somebody else. And I resonate with what you were saying before. Sometimes you may get angry and you just project that onto the person that you're getting angry with, but it's not about them. And that understanding that you have, Tracy, is to say, hey, you know what, it wasn't about you, but it was about me feeling this way because of that. That's something that is, for so many of us, perhaps it's quite confronting. Uh, We'd much rather don't say anything or come back later and say sorry without truly acknowledging that Mm -hmm. it was our fault and it was our reaction. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's, yeah, it's your reaction to things that are actually happening to you, and you may choose to cry or to laugh, but it's a choice. Mm. I think it, you know, yoga has taught me, it's taken me a long time, it's taught me to become responsible for myself and to take responsibility for my own creation, for my life and for who I am, and not look at, um, blame, which yeah, I have done in the past, and I recognise that. Um, but you know, I choose not to do that anymore. And so, it's those beautiful qualities that hopefully you, their actions, their actions really, I suppose, they're not words. I'm not preaching to my children. You should do this, that, or the other. It's the actions that speak louder. So it's what they see me do that will make the difference to help them. And you know, with my classes, yeah, it's the same. We're all in this together. We're all one. So whenever we see something in someone else as an, as an aspect of ourselves, some of the sort of uncovered aspects of ourselves that we can see where someone is right now and and it's about being compassionate and really um, accepting and supporting where they are right now, not trying to lift them up out of somewhere, just helping them in a in a very unconditional way. I think that that's that's something I feel very blessed from teachers in the past that I've had. Um, one particular teacher passed away uh, 2014 and she was 94 and this was the teacher I met when I was 16 and this woman was an absolute inspirational human being and um, yeah, she just taught this gentleness and I do work a lot with this gentle nature, this gentle energy because we are in our everyday lives are pushing to cope with life. We push ourselves to a point where a lot of people are having breakdowns because they're pushing so hard, you know, they're, they're forcing um, themselves and this was something I didn't even realise she was passing on to me. She was passing on to me 
If we practice the gentleness in our yoga, we can learn to practice the gentleness in our life. And so striving in yoga can be the same as striving outside of life. So I actually find the people that are really competitive, you know, they're really highly, you know, they want to, um, you know, climb everything mountain and, and achieve every goal and they're pushing themselves so hard that they've lost that connection with the gentleness of actually just by being sometimes we can create the same we can have we can have the same creation it's do, it's it's learning to do it a different way am i digressing i think i've gone off topic a bit sorry no 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 the enlightened conversations is exactly about what you're doing what we are doing is going with a flow going with a conversation will take us and i think that the point that you're making there trace is so important for the last 25 years I've been in the corporate world and that's what you do, you strive to be the best, you strive to win the next contract and whatever it may be. And you're always pushed by so many different people and different forces and different energy to do that. But when you find yourself in an environment that they're asking you to just relax and be, it's totally foreign. <laughs> It's actually very confronting and I've had people just go, I know, I don't want to do this type of yoga. I, I need something hard and fast. <laughs> and, and I just, I, I have to laugh. I used to take it personally, believe it or not, because I was always judging myself. But, you know, over the years I've really relinquished that and it's not about me at all. It's about the person and what they need and what they are connected to and and relinquishing control over any of that, just trusting the process. Um, but I'll be honest, you know, it was an issue for me for a little while, but I, I find that now when I explain that concept and I seem to have this ability, I think I, once I understand a concept, I can explain it really simply. <laughs> there's no there's no jargon in it. So it, people just go, they sort of, their eyes just open and go, oh yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that. <laughs> You know, just just be. Don't let the com competition nature, let that competitive nature go in the classroom and just come into what's going on and feel and connect and 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 follow and just be guided so that you so basically as you were saying before, you know, all that striving creates all that tension and you know, it knots up and blocks the body's energy flow. So as we start to let go of that pushing, striving through the postural process and the deep breathing, energy starts to pour through the body. And, you know, all of a sudden it does. And it's a feeling of bliss. And, and that was the feeling that I got at the end of my class. I have to say in my very first class, I do recall at the end of relaxation having tears and my teacher coming up and just gently gently rubbing those tears into my face and I looked at her and I thought, what have you just, what have I just experienced? And what I felt at the time, this, these were my describing words at that time, was like she gave the whole room a big hug with her love and her gentleness. And I remember thinking, wow, if if I could help people feel like this, or I could even, I didn't even think of wanting to be able to feel like that all the time at that point. Um, it's definitely a process, but that was my very first 
inclination or desire was wow to make people to, to be able to support people to feel that internal connection where all the physical stress has just dissipated for a period of time and they feel the oneness you know yes. there's no separation they feel this divine connection with themselves and with each other um although i wouldn't have been able to articulate that back then i didn't have the words for it um i didn't understand it then like i do now so this is the process of awakening i suppose so i was just just following my intuitive self maybe i had an angel sitting there saying to me you have to do this <laughs> and um i don't know but there was just this push but there was this resistance too there was definitely a lot of resistance personally for me on that journey yeah but it's it's truly an individual journey and sometimes it's a collective journey of the oneness as you were talking about somebody saying to you i need to do this fasted yoga and a story came to mind when i was a child and being brought up uh, in a spanish home catholic and we were going to mass every sunday and it's an hour long and i remember the priest, um, so many people came to him saying, we're busy people, can you do it quicker? And he used to do a half an hour mass for the busy people and a regular mass for the rest. And I always remember as well that somebody wise said to me, if you cannot afford out of your time 20 minutes to meditate, then you need to meditate for one hour. And it was kind of like that recognition that give your body mind and soul the space to do what they need to do not the space to say well um i was seen for half an hour at church now i'm going and i'm getting on with business and that's something that still happens in society today people want it faster quicker and let's get on with the job and they are not really taking the time to appreciate the process the process that it will take you much further than what you thought at the beginning and not because it's slower, it's because you're allowing yourself to hold space, like you hold space in your class for everybody to achieve what they're willing to achieve, but not so much in a time frame. Absolutely. That's exactly well said. It's, it's our society dictates and we're a collective consciousness. So we don't even realize that we're sort of like a school of fish. We're all just flying together and we're all sort of doing the same thing. And it takes a conscious mind to just take yourself out of that for a while and have a break and reconnect to yourself. And I do believe, you know, our most important connection is to ourselves, to our inner selves, to our divine self. And people are craving connection as well. And craving this out looking for it outside of themselves um and it's it's there i have to share with you something that happened to me yesterday it was bizarre but i promised to make a friend some homemade pasta this amazing pasta machine and i normally make the same one I'm a bit boring i make linguine all the time and and i needed to change the nodule and i hadn't used the other nodules for a long time so i was hunting around my kitchen i got the machine out and i'm looking i'm looking everywhere in all these cupboards for these nodules i'm like what have i done with them and now i spent looking for them and then i stopped and went right tracy just go and sit somewhere and and it'll come to you you'll know where you put them and i did i went outside 
And I came back in and believe it or not, under the bottom of the machine, there is a drawer that you pull out and all the nodules were in there. <laughs> and I just had this big laugh to myself because I went, oh, my God, what a metaphor. You know, I'm looking, I kept thinking I must have put them in a container. I know what I'm like. I would have put them in a container and stored them somewhere. And there they were inside the machine, at the bottom of the machine. And, you know, it's true, our answers are within us and and our connection is within us. And when we truly form that connection with ourselves, it's it's everything else will just fall into place. Yes. And there actually doesn't need to be all the striving and all the pushing and all the shoving that we do for each other, that you are actually in that place of oneness and things flow and it's just beautiful. It's your story truly highlights what we talk to many people about, about connecting to source. And, but it's also as well, not denying yourself the human experience because yeah. That's what we came here to do, to experience humanity, to be in this physical body. And sometimes people say, oh, I need to be more enlightened, I need to do more of this. Well, no, do whatever that actually feels right for you. But uh, sometimes you need to take a moment and step outside of your craziness, to put it in one way, and go outside the nature and breathe in and breathe out and allow that connection to source to guide you. And you were not far from the solution, but because you were just fretting, you were unable to find your solution. Absolutely. It's, it was hilarious. I sat there and I, I had a big giggle to myself and went, oh, my goodness. <laughs> it, it, it's as simple as that one little thing that just, yeah, it makes so much sense that that's what we do. We And I could have just stressed and then I could have then made a big drama and text my friend and said, I can't find my bits and pieces. I can't make you a pastor. Blah, 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 blah. But I, you know, I've, I'm learning more and more um, to just take myself out of the space and just be still for a moment and things just flow. It's like the river. The You know, we can sometimes go down a little river and there's, rocks blocking the water and sometimes we're doing that ourselves we do it to ourselves we don't even realize we're doing it um but it's having that awareness and for me that's you know what yoga has helped me do is, is just to have some awareness of myself like i said it's been a slow process don't expect that one yoga class is going to um <laughs> but at the same time one yoga class may be that profound that you may have an awakening of some or a realization, even if it's a tiny little realization. Um, you know, I sometimes just have people say to me, Oh, I had no idea. I was holding my shoulders up around here as I'm rushing through my day and just simply dropping the shoulders back and relaxing yeah. their whole energy. They feel different, but they hadn't been aware that for, you know, maybe 40 years that's how they've been carrying themselves. Mm. But it's. <clears throat> Our human mind and sometimes our ego <coughs> pardon me, comes into play to say, well, what is my time frame? When am I going to become enlightened? Yes, I and, think we do. And you know what? Even um, my late mother <coughs> on her deathbed said to me just before she closed her eyes, apart from many things, she said, now I understand. And it's that idea that 
even to that point in your physical life, you come to a realization, you come to a point that, well, you couldn't get any quicker there, but that was the point. That was the point of clear understanding. And people want to understand everything today. And I think at times, I think that we're doing ourselves a disservice. Uh, we only need to understand what is appropriate for us at certain points in our lives and truly stop comparing myself to you because we are individual, but we are part of that oneness. And whatever you bring and whatever world bring, it's still worth it. I think that um, these are really important things that um, we need to share with our youth of today as well. Um, you know, with Instagram and selfies and pictures of people posting so much, it's beautiful. We can communicate and share, but for young children, there's, you know, there's a constant comparison going on. And, you know, we've already seen, um, you know, a huge increase in, um, in different ailments and conditions. And, you know, I do believe that this, you know, we're our own, we're our own biggest critic. We judge ourselves quite harshly. Um, to learn self-acceptance and self-love, you know, it can take a lifetime. That's right. We might not, you know, fully really get that until we are about to pass pass over. And but we can support each other to at least talk and speak this language of what our internal dialogue is sometimes doing to us. Yes. And, and I know I'm not a psychologist or a counsellor, but, you know, just simply just observing the mind is powerful in showing us. It'll show us what we do. It shows us, um, it shows us where our mind is going, yeah. It's worth observing. It's worth observing. I think that that's... Yeah, that's a clear point. We don't allow ourselves to observe. Perhaps we observe it in others, but we don't take a minute to observe in ourselves. How does it affect us? What are we feeling? What are we trying to achieve? But not from the point of reaching a final goal, but perhaps an understanding at that, that stage in our lives. Definitely, definitely. Um, I've been in touch with angels since I was a young boy, but I'm, I can tell you, in my 20s, it was party time. And although the angels are tapping me on the shoulder, I was saying, yeah, yeah, whatever, I'm going to this party. And, and you know what? That was, although I may look at it in a different way, but I couldn't criticize that then because that was my stage in my life. And if that brought me to a space today where I can be more enlightened, well, all the better. Definitely, definitely. I agree with that. I think we need to sometimes see all different sides of life to have a fuller understanding of it. If I would have just burrowed myself in an ashram from the age of 16, I wouldn't have the insights that I probably have through my own personal experiences and, you know, delving into yoga and I'd step out of it. So I was, I was, I had felt like sometimes I had one foot in it and then one foot out of it. And, and, yeah, there was confusion at times as well because I was making sometimes poor choices in my everyday life. Yeah, I come back to this, you know, very clean way of living and 
I, yes, as I look back now, I just that's normal at that age to be challenged with that. Um, there are some incredible <clears throat> young people that I'm seeing now that are teaching and they're incredibly disciplined and focused and, you know, fantastic, good on them. I couldn't do that at that age. Um, so I honoured that by not going on with my studies at 21 and going back to them at about 28. So look at the seven-year cycles there. It's quite interesting, isn't it? <laughs> and, um, but, yeah, and still now, you know, I don't even like to say I'm a teacher. I'm just a person sharing some stuff that I've learnt over the years and trying to support people from that same place that I was supported all those years ago that probably stopped me from making some really bad choices that I could have been faced with in my teens, early adolescent years. I, I grew up in a small country town. There was a lot of drugs. You know, it was a lot of dysfunction or behaviour and I feel really blessed at where I am in my life now and I think that if I hadn't a family order, I would not be having this conversation with you. Yes. You, you were mentioning that idea that you don't like yourself to be, well, you don't call yourself a teacher. And I'm on the same boat. I'm a qualified teacher. But when people ask me, and I don't practice teaching anymore in the formal way. But when people ask me at any, any university that I've been or any public speaking that I had a chance to do, what do you do? My answer was always, I help people learn. Because oh, you remove yourself from the pedestal of being a teacher and talking down at people, that teaching mentality, and rather you actually include yourself in the learning process. You are part of that and you allow people to actually step up and be counted as a learner and showing them that you're in a learning pathway yourself. So oh, yeah. That's something that I hold dear to my heart, not calling yourself a teacher because it's so important to say we're all learning. Thank you for sharing that with me because there's always been a little bit of internal conflict about that because you know, people say that people ask me what I do and I sometimes stumble over my words. <laughs> I actually don't know what to say because now when you say yoga, people think of, you know, fancy leotards and skimpy tops and I'm 46 years old so I don't wear those things anymore. Um, and so it's interesting. It's so much is about perception, isn't it, really? Yes. And um, so I, I find myself just not really knowing what to say. I just do a little bit of this or a little bit of I'll that. Give you, I'll give you my phrase. Tracy. Thank you. I will take that. <laughs> tell them you help people learn. And 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 fundamentally, that is exactly it. In essence, our conversation has already expressed that definitely. Um, and yeah, and you're right. There is always an exchange taking place. Um, you know, I learn and have learned so much from the people that come to my classes, some of these people I've known for a long time and they have become dear, dear friends that I feel so blessed to um, to have connected with and who I probably may not have connected with had I not been doing what I'm doing. And, you know, they're really important parts of my people in my life, um, play a very important role. So, um, and I do actually try and support that whole connection throughout the class um, 
Lucky I'm married to an Italian because they always do the double kiss. So I tend to end up kissing everyone and hugging everyone as they walk in the door. And I'm sure for new people, they're like, oh, stay away from me. <laughs> this woman's going to wrap her arms around me. <laughs> um, and, but, you know, it, to me, it's the connection. And I find by, you know, a couple of classes in, I find them coming up and giving me a hug or giving me a kiss. And, and uh, it's just this one you know it is it's just reminding us that we're all one and we're not separate and we all crave and want the same things listen it's um it brought a couple of uh, a couple of things that happened to me in the past i i hold the uh, a, a teacher at melbourne university and she was about that helping people learn she will come in into the classroom with a double decker trolley with a pay pack pencils color movement a little boom box for music and her phrase used to be, involve people in your classroom, people. And you know what? When you hear the sound of your own voice, shut up. Let your students talk. And <laughs> that, I held that with me all of the time. And I could be, like it happened to me, it was quite, uh, quite a story. I was training people in the Maldives in a hotel. And the Australian government, after that assignment, was sending me to a tiny little island in Tuvalu just of the kingdom of Tonga, tiny, tiny, that you land and the hotel is there and the buildings are there. And you know what? The essence of learning was the same. The Maldives was amazing and a beautiful place and surrounded by luxury, but people were wanting to learn something that they didn't have. And the same happened with this amount of teachers in Tuvalu, that you know what? There was no luxury and they spent three days on the deck of a boat to get to my classroom. So how can I stand there and preach to them? And they were thrilled that they were using butcher's papers and colors and showing me everything that they knew. And then that gives you the tool for you to realize what is the gap and how am I going to approach this? And that's what I'm passionate about, helping people learn, because they realize that your input was just interwoven in everything that was happening. And suddenly they got new knowledge and new skills, but they were not lectured at. Not even when I had a, a lecture room of 300 people in front of me, I lectured them. One of my university supervisors came in and balloons in the lecture room were flying around and he looked at me saying, what the hell? He didn't get it. But the people in the audience, they did get it. Yes. Yes, because it's not the norm. That's the old paradigm. It is the old paradigm of teaching. Um, you know, when we can all recognise that we're all just here to support each other and we all play a cog in that big wheel, you know, the ego and the hierarchy are eliminated and, you know, we can all grow. Um, not to say that we don't need sometimes rules and regulations. I mean, yes, we are human. We do need them. But... To, to um to teach from that it's it's just beautiful I know that I yeah I think people flourish much more when they're being taught from on that level rather than the old doctrine of I know more than you and you'll sit there until you know what I need to tell you you know when it opens the dialogue there's this, it's a it's a biofeedback process that takes place it's an exchange of energy that's taking Absolutely. place. How could I go to these people in Tuvalu with a laptop and a projector 
yes, and show them an amazing PowerPoint presentation when their classrooms back in their own little islands with actually dirt floor and a blackboard. So that idea of adapting to your audience and give them the best of you, but also realizing what environment are they in and focus on that and try and bring that out in order for them to create even a more beautiful environment for their group of children to learn. Yes. Yes, it is. It's about adaptation and it is about reading your audience and that is the intuitive nature and obviously you are, you know, are well connected to your intuitive nature because when we connect with that, and I, I have to say that years of doing yoga, I don't write down what I'm going to do in the class. Sometimes something will pop into my head during the day and, and I may be a little bit boring at times and do the same things over again because we're creatures of habit. But it'll be, you know, the, whoever walks into the room and whatever they're projecting at me, it might be extreme fatigue, it might be agitation, and I just have to trust that energy. Whatever it shows me will then dictate what comes next. How how do I how do I you know um, guide through this class? How do I take this class? It's not okay. We have to start with ten rounds of salute to the sun, and then we have to do a shoulder stand, and then we have to do a this and that and that, and and, and it's it's not nothing like that at all. Um, and um, Yes, when we're flowing, we're in that flow, and then people will come up at the end of the class and go, "How did you know I? I how did you know?" And they just think you're psychic or something. And you're like, "No, no, no, I just got a feeling." You know, it's a feeling, and, and maybe that's what being psychic is. It's having it, feeling. It's having. It is that. It's to be able to feel, to be able to to see what the person needs, and and for you to be able to provide not only the environment but perhaps through yoga, they be equal to achieve that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I was saying before, you know, I've used a lot of other modalities along the way as well, um, using energy work. One of the first things my yoga teacher had said to me um, is go and study Bowen therapy now because Bowen's very good. You know, if you have someone in class that has some issue, you can just go up and just lightly touch them and, and support them. And, and I did. And... Um, you know, all of these modalities, you know, anybody that's um, using these, they're just supporting people to, to connect with a part of themselves that maybe they haven't been able to connect to or they can't see, we can't always see what's going on for us. And, um, yeah, they're all, they're all vehicles. They're all vehicles for us to I use. To me, what you were saying just before, um, that you don't do a session plan anymore. And I remember as a, as a young teacher, we were shown how to do a session plan, how to do the introduction, the middle and the end, and all that sort of things. And you, you got everything there planned out. And this teacher that I love, <clears throat> her name is Pamson Ledger, and she used to say to us, you're gonna go from one classroom to the next with the same session plan. Please don't repeat like parrots. Go with the flow. And if the students are taking you somewhere else, that is important to your subject matter, go with that. Throw the central plan out the window. You don't need to repeat from one group to the next the same thing. And that's, that's becoming, it's kind of like you becoming at one with what you do, connecting to that source <clears throat> that you were saying, 
being, being a, a clairvoyant and understanding, having a look at their audience and understanding the way that they're feeling and where knowledge needs to go for them and mm -hmm. going with that so long as it's relevant to the topic of conversation. If it's not, you chat with them later on, but it's that idea of truly going with the flow and that's what I hold dear about enlightenment, is that idea of just follow the flow, don't try and fight it, go with it and see what you can actually learn from it. Yes, yes, yes exactly. And that's, and that's the opposite to what we're taught. We're taught to control. In taught, you know, so with that striving comes all this control as well, and um, it's tr it's it's trusting that. So you can see how people, you know, feel really challenged. I still have issues with control. I'm sure that I'm still working through, but we all we all do because that's how society's really taught us that we think we have control of everything, and that you must have control over certain things. So, you know. It's breaking down those um, those conditioned thinking processes to help us go into that flow, so that we can, you know, we can go into that flow. And I sort of feel like that's what I get the opportunity to do is just give people a, a glimpse of what that flow might be like. They might not be able to sustain it, um, or or but they get a glimpse of it, and then it's reinforcing that outside of the space to sit quietly, to listen to their breath, to drop in and just, even if they just practice it for five minutes, a couple of times a day, just being aware. And, and don't have to be aware of everything. Just pick one thing. It might be just your breathing. You might just feel the flow of air moving in and out of your nostrils. Then that's sort of like for me as if you want the old paradigm of teacher, that's like me <laughs> giving the students some homework and saying, here, Practice this a couple of times a day. Start with once a day. And if you feel it's making you feel good, then practice three times a day. And then you'll find maybe that you will have created eventually down the track a, a very small meditative practice. It might be just, you know, it, and we meditate in different ways. It can be going for a meditative walk. It might be doing some gardening. It can be doing the dishes really mindfully. Um, you know, it can be how we're speaking sometimes to people or how we're listening or how maybe we're not listening or, you know, and, and not judging and critiquing but just bringing the awareness. So I like to use, there's a beautiful Sanskrit word called ahimsa, which is um, one of the uh, five yamas, like codes of conduct sort of process in yoga and it means being non-violent. Yeah. So to practice being non-violent uh, in our world, we must learn to practice being non-violent to ourselves. So when we are violating ourselves with our judging thoughts and our critiquing, so, you know, that's, that's being violent towards yourself. And <laughs> you should see people's eyes open up when I, when I describe it that way. They go, what? Really? Yep, really. And so when we're, you know, forcing ourselves into these ridiculous postures maybe that you're not, your body doesn't want to do, you're violating yourself. And, you know, it's really a great simple concept um, to describe something really simply but to give such a profound insight into what it is that they may be doing without realising that that's what they're doing. And when we learn to do that within ourselves, we may be able to create a beautiful, non-violent um, society. Yeah.
I love that idea of, um, of not being violent, but particularly with oneself, yes. uh, because that's going to translate in the way that we interact with others. But also that idea that we're always talking about computers interfaces. Yes? This program interface with this other program. And you were talking just before about that idea of meditation. And sometimes people think that meditation is sitting in the lotus position going, um, and <laughs> that could be the way that you actually do it. But I find that my interface is with nature and I can sit under a tree and I can observe every part of the tree. And that's a way of me meditating. It could be, a, like I usually say to people, it could be a three-minute shower meditation where you allow the water to really cleanse all of your chakras and then let it through the bottom of your feet. It could be walking along the lake or the shore, the beach, whatever it may be that it allows you to be with you. And at times many people say, oh, gee, I got into my car and started driving. I don't really know how I got here. <laughs> it's state of meditation that they don't realize that that's what they're doing absolutely absolutely i think that the word meditation conjures up all kinds of crazy images just like the word yoga does and you know if we can let go of the images and 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 broaden our understanding of it and have it described to us in very simple ways you know we will use it but if we make it seem like a concept that's really complicated it it makes it seem like it's, it's outside of ourselves and it's, it's very difficult to attain. And so I think keeping a simple explanation allows people to interpret it and then people then to use it because it doesn't feel like some sort of... I, I know I remember start reading yoga books way back in my, you know, between the 16, 20 period and half of the stuff I did not understand. I'd be reading it going unconscious subconscious you know <laughs> all these terms and they didn't make any sense to me um now they do but i've had to learn them through the easy concepts of understanding and for me that's how i try and relay them back to people in a simple 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 context so that they can go ah and you know meditation if we take the t out of meditation and we put a c we've got medication it's, you know, just a play on words. So I said, think of it as like taking a tablet every day, sit and do five minutes of deep breathing or just five minutes of sitting, like you said, under a tree, walking on the grass, being in nature, whatever it is for you. Nature is the beautiful doorway to ourselves, really. The magnificence of, of nature that, um, that is really a great reminder of the magnificence of creation and connecting with that supports us to realize that we are part of that creation and that we are that magnificence that magnificent intelligence is flowing through us that always and yes. just to connect with that and see the beauty and reflection through those um in that way is is a med is for me is medication it is medicine it's just we need to learn what we need to learn at different stages in our life That's and we, right. cannot, we cannot fight that and we cannot no. impose that onto another person to say you should be learning this yes um, i had an opportunity through my work to live in china for a period of time and every morning i will go out for a walk 
and uh, to see elderly people in their 80s and 90s uh, doing Tai Chi and with such, with such grace, but also with a clear understanding that they were using their bodies at that point in time, at their age, in the best possible way. And you just stand there and admire them thinking, oh my goodness, look at them. I couldn't even do half of what they're doing. But it's, it's that stage in their life and that's what they're actually sharing with all of us in a park and you could sit there and look at them and you can actually perceive the energy that they were sending out and that energy of love uh, it will truly strike you in your heart and you just feel it and and you have no choice but send it back mm. i think that we um we really undervalue our elderly and our society and their ability to give something, like you said, love in a very unconditional way because their, their journey is, is, you know, their life has shown them so many things. As your mum's sayings, I think, you know, what she experienced on her deathbed was amazing and thank you for sharing that with me. Um, I think that there, you know, there is so much that they can and, and that they can give us and, and yeah. open us up to feeling what that love is, that unconditional love that you just, you know, you experience with these people doing, elderly people doing Tai, tai Chi. Um, there's, yeah, there's such an important role for, for um, our elderly in our society. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that point of oneness and uh, becoming part of it. Everybody has a role and we're not individual, we're all individual in our own unique way, but we all become one. Yes. On that note, Tracy, we're coming towards the end. So thank you so much. Time has actually flown from us. Um, thank you so much for taking part in this enlightened conversation. I would like to give you an opportunity to, uh, to share with people where can they find you? Um, I don't know, your, your uh, email or your website. Where can they go and take a yoga class with you? Um, well, I just have some classes in Essendon area of Melbourne, um, Essendon East Cure. And um, you can find me um, either via phone or email. So my email address is heartofyoga at uh, outlook.com. And uh, my phone number, do I give you that too, Rob? Um, I guess that the outlook is fine and people yes, can send the email address, yes. Yeah, it's probably best. Um, what is the email again, please? Heartofyoga at outlook.com. So that's yes. the best way to find you and then people can have a chat. Yeah, I don't have a website set up. I do have a Facebook page, which... Okay, Some of uh, my very kindly students actually said to me, Tracy, you really need to get on technology. <laughs> <laughs> and they um, came over and did it with me. So I have a Facebook page too called Heart of Yoga, which you could also contact me on um, as well. Yeah, but that's, that's all I have at this stage. No, that's perfect. So people can contact you on Facebook or by your email address. Tracy, from my heart to yours, Thank you so much for taking part in this beautiful enlightened conversation. Thank you, Ralph, for having me. It's been divine and um, I feel really, yeah, really grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for watching. Bye for now.
Thank you.